Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show today. I am even more excited to be here with you today than I usually am because I had that ear surgery a little over five, six weeks ago, and talking has been so painful, and I am going to make make it through this show today because I have an amazing guest on the show with you today, and I want to thank everybody for all of their prayers, and please keep them coming because it's going to be interesting to get through this show today, but I've got a guest on my show that when I had to postpone her from being on the show a couple of weeks ago and sadly have to give you guys a replay because my symptoms were so bad per surgery, she was like this rock that just was there for me and guided me through and helped me see that this was not a permanent thing. And I... Allison um, Donaghy is on the show today with me. She is a cause and effect strategist. But more than that, she's one of those human beings that the world needs more of, and everybody needs somebody like an Allison in their life. And it's Allison, it's just an honor to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you so much. Such lo- lovely words that I'm just so touched. Thank you, thank you. Well, I can't tell you how much it meant to me when we were Facebook messaging back and forth when I was like, I can't do the show today, Allison. I am so sorry. I, I just, there's no way I can do it. And you were like, Laura, how can I help you? <laughs> and, and you just, for like hours, went back and forth with me and got me to let go of the fear. And I could see I was in fear, but I couldn't see my way out of it. And this moment when you were just like, I'm here for you. I mean, everybody needs that in their life. And I know you've had that in your lo- a lot in your life. And I've had a lot in mine. But for somebody that you don't know very well to do that for you, that's why I created this radio show, is for people to have those moments, even if they never get to talk to my guests, to have those moments by listening to the show. You're the, you're what this show is all about. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know what to say to all that. <laughs> Thank you. I just, you know, I think there's been so many times in my life that I haven't been seen and I needed help and nobody was around. And um, I think when we see people that we can support and in, not even, even just support, but when we can actually see people. Um, I, I don't think there's enough of that going on, and um, I was, I'm was i so fortunate, I feel, to have had that exchange with you because I got as much out of it as you did, and it was, um, it was just so valuable for me as well. It, it's interesting that you say there were times in your life where you weren't seen, and that's, that's such a core of your work, mm-hmm. and, and, and my work as well is to help people see themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's, go ahead. You know, we, we're, I read an article one time that says when, um, 
when we've seen something a couple of times enough to be, you know, familiar with it, we actually don't see it anymore. So when you walk into your house, you know all the furniture is there, but you don't see it. When you um, are driving down the road, you know all the buildings are there, but you don't actually see them because our brain can't, doesn't have the capacity to see all of it um, all of the time. Uh, and I think that as we get busier, we lose that capacity even further to include seeing the people in our life as well. And um, I think we start to, as a society, start making a concerted effort to see ourselves. And the more we see ourselves, the more it boosts our sense of worthiness and the more we're able to see the people in front of us. But it is it's critical, I think, just like you say. Yeah, and, you know, I was thinking as you were just talking about, you know, you don't see the furniture, and when you're driving down a road, you don't see things, and I haven't been able to drive in ages. <laughs> it's like, so when you're in the passenger seat versus the driver's seat, you tend to see things very, very differently. Oh, yeah, you know, the house around the corner, and you're like, how did I never see that house? I've driven by it like a million times. How did I never see it? Yeah, we have a, a house in our neighborhood that had this big oak tree in mm-hmm. front of it, big, gorgeous oak tree, but it was pushing up the driveway, and its root structure is getting very, very close to um, the water lines, the water mains and things mm-hmm. like that. And you could tell it's starting to move towards the foundation of the house. And the our architectural review board said you can remove it to the owner, but the county, the city, refuses because they're like, too bad, the tree's there, you have to leave it. Which is really just unfair because this is serious damage waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been out since the woman trimmed the tree. And, I mean, you want to talk about trimming this tree within an inch of its life (laughs) but she's afraid you know (laughs) i mean that things are going to fall on the house or or something could happen and my friend took me to the grocery store and i've got my huge headsets on and everything so i can't hear any any sounds outside and all of a sudden i'm like i never noticed the house looked like that behind there (laughs) (laughs) the tree is missing oh yeah and, and you're talking about, like, seeing things, right? Mm-hmm. What if we change one thing or remove one thought we have yeah. about ourselves? Mm-hmm. How do we see each other again? Yeah, it changes everything. Because when we start to see ourselves, we have to change the story we have in ourselves about who we are. Because we get to see all of ourselves. And I think we end up with a more healthy relationship with ourselves because we have to cut through all of the the crap, all of those false stories we've told ourselves about our own capabilities or how much we're sitting in a victim state or um, how much we are relying on other people to make us feel good. Um, there's There's a responsibility that goes along with that. And I think some people find it quite scary. Well, let's talk about that some more. This whole idea of a victim state and... You talk about, like, the victim state and the freedom state and the work that you do, and everybody can find out a lot more about um, Allison at dominothinking.com. She's got a lot of really great stuff up there. But this concept, I mean, why is this so important, and why do my listeners really need to begin thinking about what you call hashtag my part? Um, it's, uh, I think it's, it's so important because I think if we're going to live our full life, 
we have to start having a different relationship with ourselves. And I believe that the foundation for everything is our sense of worthiness. And I believe we are born miracles. If you think about it, you know, this tiny sperm finds this tiny egg, and it made you. It didn't make the thousand other options it could have made. It made you, which I believe makes you a miracle. And if you are a miracle, then you are inherently worthy. And then we are born and we come into the world and the world tells us we're not good enough, that we're not fast enough, we're not pretty enough, we're not smart enough, we're, you know, we're just not enough. And then our self-worth starts to diminish and then we start looking at other people to tell us we're okay, to tell us we have worth. And that puts us in a really precarious state of being potentially victimized or feeling victimized if they don't respond the way we want or need them to. But when we can connect with our own worthiness, we can step away from that victim space of relying on somebody else to make us feel good and live in a free state. And it is just such a nicer place to live. There is so much more freedom, obviously, in it because we are more grounded, we're more whole, we're more complete, and we are no longer um, needing to get anything, and that changes how we enter into relationships. If we don't need something from the other person, then we are there simply because we want to be. And if we want to be, then we can see that person. Yet it seems like it's such a hard concept for so many people. I I hear this all the time from my listeners, from my clients that I'm doing strategy work with, is to get themselves out of it because they don't even see that they're in victim state. Yeah, well, one of the sure signs is uh, those statements, this always happens to me, why doesn't anybody love me, why do I screw up all the time, how come I hit every red light? As soon as we start making those kind of it's happening to me type statements, we can be pretty sure we're in victim state. And it never goes away. We just get better at maneuvering and managing it. Like there's lots of times things will happen to me and I'll feel like a victim and I have to work through a process to stop feeling that way and to, you know, get grounded again and understand that I co-created everything that was happening to me. And it's the understanding that we co-create it means we're accepting responsibility. And when we accept responsibility, we build our worthiness. As we build our worthiness, it's easier to step into freedom state. And so it's this circular thing that just keeps building on itself once we start doing it because it's so um when you when you say i co-created this it is really difficult to stay a victim but so many people don't want to admit their part in whatever thing has happened in their life so how do you get them to say no it's okay that i Mm -hmm. participated in this i can move forward from it Well, if somebody is refusing to see their part in it, there's not much I can do. Like, it's not my intention to change anybody or point things out to them. It's more my intention to have discussions with people, show them a process to recognize it, and if they choose to step into that arena, uh, then at that point we can have conversations. Um, Not everybody's ready to move on. That's just the reality of it. It's There is an awful lot of pay value that goes into being a victim. And by pay value, I mean, you know, that payoff that you get. We don't do things when there is no value for us to do it. We don't go to work if we don't get paid. So the pay value is the paycheck. 
so if we are engaging in behavior, there is also a type of paycheck there as well. And sometimes it's super enticing. We get people to feel sorry for us. They might come over and help and clean our house or, you know, we might get that pity promotion or, right, there's, there's so many pay values to staying a victim that that's scary to let go of for some people. Yeah, or the pay value of um, feeling like you're not alone in the world because there's other people, you know, like if if you stay in whatever state you're in, people will pay attention to you because you just feel like that's the only thing you have that makes you worthy. Mm-hmm, yeah. And when we think about, like for me, I don't ever want to be that dependent on somebody else's good nature. Uh, because what if I need something and that person doesn't show up? Because, one, they might not even know I need it, and then I am left relying on somebody, and it's this weird exchange that we have with people who might not even know we're trying to exchange with them. And it's, uh, you know, it's like that kid that goes to school in the new outfit thinking everybody's going to think they're super cool when they wear it, and then nobody sees them. And if they just felt a sense of worthiness in whatever it was that they were wearing because they were artistic and that's how they expressed themselves, it wouldn't matter if anybody else liked what they were wearing. They would have that stronger sense of worthiness. Your journey to figuring out this work was not an easy one, Allison. (laughs) (laughs) Is anybody's? (laughs) You know, that's that's a really good point because... while I was going through, while I've been going through all of this, I was texting back and forth with a friend of mine who was checking on me because a text has become my communication medium for a lot because talking is so hard. Like as I'm talking to you, as I'm listening to you, I can feel the, the vertigo cycles just sort of triggering and everything, but, you know, I'm putting mind over matter right now. And he's like, I feel so bad for you with everything that you've gone through and, you know, I'm struggling, but compared to you, mine's nothing. So I need to not, I I, I can't say to myself that this is horrible because what you're going through is worse. And I got so annoyed (laughs) when I I read that. And I don't know how you felt when I was saying it, but I got so mad because it's like, well, who says my stuff is worse than his stuff. His stuff mm-hmm. is for him. And and we judge each other so much on, on whose situation is worse than somebody else's. Well, and it's such a slippery slope, that, that whole thing. There's just so many things that go wrong in that interaction. It's... Um, we, I don't think it's okay to deny our own experiences... Because we have to just feel the feels sometimes. And if he, this particular person feels like his life is crappy right now, well, for him it probably is. So honor that, see it, recognize it, see how you've co-created it, and really sit in that space for a while. Um, the other thing I think it does is it doesn't, I think it does the opposite of making the person you say it to actually feel better. Like if somebody said that to me, I would be like, damn, does my life seem that horrible to other people, right? That their horrible stuff is like feeling diminished as a result of it. Uh, And so I think we have to be really careful with that stuff. Um, 
And there are ways, I think, too, that we can see it, experience it, and get empowered by it. Like I was whitewater rafting on the Zambezi in Zimbabwe. Wow. And yeah, yeah, because <laughs> I don't really like the water, so this was uh, quite a stupid thing for me to do. But uh, I got thrown out of the boat, and so did somebody else. And she said she was terrified until she saw the look on my face and then realized that she just had to be supportive of me, and all of her fear went away by seeing how scared I was. Now, I think sometimes in a situation like that, we can draw strength and be there for other people by setting our own fears aside. But I think that is very different than diminishing our own experience um, because somebody else might have it worse. Because seriously, there's always going to be somebody that has it worse. And those people who we see have it worse may not even think they have it worse. Like when we look at somebody in a third world country and we go, oh my God, their life is horrible. They might not even think so. Is that, were your life experiences in your mind, like now looking back at them, Mm -hmm. do you see how each step in that process, everything that you went through made you who you are today or no? Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, if the things didn't happen to me that happened to me, I wouldn't be able to do this work. Um, I would never have recognized that I process certain things differently than other people and that I develop shortcuts to help people get there faster. Like whatever it is that I'm doing, I just think, how can we simplify this and uh, make it applicable to whatever it is that we're going through? If I didn't have the, the crappy things happen to me that happened to me, and I wouldn't be here. And I co-created those crappy things. <laughs> so on some level at that point in time, I was still choosing that experience. And if I was choosing that experience, that means I could have not chosen that experience as well. Well, what do you say to somebody who says, like, they're in a crappy job or they're in a bad marriage or they just can't seem to move forward, get out of a family situation? What do you say to them when they're like, I don't see any way out right now or even a year from now? Yeah, well, I've been there, <laughs> so I certainly understand that feeling. Uh, really, the only thing you can do, like if you truly cannot change your situation, and I'm not sure I believe that that's true, but if you cannot, uh, because that feels like a very true story that you're buying into at that point in time, um, the only thing that you can do in that space is just work on your own worthiness. And the easiest way to work on your own worthiness is understanding how you co-created the situation that you found yourself in. You know, you took that shitty job when it was offered to you. That was a choice. And so then how do we deal with the consequences of that choice? If we are, I did this work with a woman one time, and she said to me, she says, you know, I'm going through this divorce. I'm not even sure I want to do work on this process right now. I don't think I need to. It's all my husband's fault. He did A, B, C, D, and E. It's all his fault. If he hadn't done those things, we wouldn't be getting divorced. And I said, oh, okay. So we worked through our process. And at the end of it, she came up to me and she said, whoa. She goes, I co-created this divorce, didn't I? And I said, I don't know, did you? She goes, I totally did. She got on the phone with a mediator who transferred to her ex-husband and said, "Um, 
that it, you know she understands how she contributed and it, she played a part in the breakdown of their marriage and their entire relationship changed. They're still getting divorced and they still probably should get divorced um, based on some of that water under the bridge stuff, but uh, they're now doing it, able to see each other. And when we point the finger and say something is all somebody else's fault, it, it, there's nothing good's going to come of that. First, we, it's not ever all one person's fault. Um, and there's always extenuating circumstances, and when we can start to try to see that person and what their experiences are, it may change our relationship to how they are responding to us. My uh, parents always said, there's your side, their side, and the truth. <laughs> yes, and I'm not even sure there is truth. Like, yes, two plus two equals four. There's truth in those sort of things. Yeah, you throw a ball in the air, it's going to fall down. There's truth in some things. But I think most social experiences that we have, interactions that we have, there is no truth. There was this great movie called um, Vantage Point with Forrest Whitaker, and it told the story of a bombing from uh, different characters in the movie that were in different positions who all thought they knew the truth about what happened with the bomb because they saw something from their perspective, but nobody actually knew the truth. And it was such an interesting movie, so well done, about how uh, our experiences are so biased based on our previous experiences and the stories we tell ourselves, our own narrative, that everything's being filtered through that. And therefore, how can we actually see what's happening? Okay, so how can we actually see what's happening? I think by having conversations, like this was my experience, what does your experience look like? And Or this is my view on this, this is where it came from, or where at least I think it comes from. It's just having those conversations, those curiosity conversations with people that come into our lives, as opposed to assuming that we know uh, how it is, because <laughs> we really don't necessarily know how it is. Yeah, but human nature, I, I always say this, you know, to my listeners and to my clients, you know, we tend to ask questions as human beings, so many of us ask questions to get the answers we want versus the answers we need. Yeah. So we walk into situations with our own preconceived notions, mm-hmm. and we push forward from that. And a lot of times, that enables you to have tremendous success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're manifesting it, but other times it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I think if your life is working the way you want it to work, like you truly in your heart of hearts wants it to work, carry on. Like, go hard. Uh, but if there is those inklings of, I'm missing something here, uh, why does everybody always agree with me? This can't, We can't all think I'm right. right? If we start doubting our our rightness in a curious, not a shame-filled way, uh, because it's easy. Everything's a double-edged sword, right? Right. So we can either be doing it on the positive side of the sword or the negative side. And um, if we choose to just be curious about things, that shame doesn't enter into it. And I just I think it's so fast. You know, when the elections were going down down in the states, they asked people on social media. Uh, they were doing a big study, and they said, "Hey, you're a really strong Hillary supporter. Do you mind if we mess with your algorithms a bit?" and start sending you different information. And people said, sure. Some people, I'm sure, said no, but the ones, you know, there was a group that said, sure. And then they said to some Trump supporters, do you mind if we do the same? And they said, yeah, sure. And what they found at the end of it was that 
people softened in their opinion. Trump supporters may have stayed Trump supporters, but some of them actually became Hillary supporters because they were getting more than just their own version of the story. They were getting outside of their own echo chamber and kind of went, oh, well, maybe they are doing some good. I didn't even realize they did those things. Because when you're in your echo chamber, nobody promotes what the other person is doing right. I love that, considering that my own voice echoes in my head so loud with this um, illness, it's totally like we should be asking ourselves, are you in your own echo chamber? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're going to go out to the national news break right now, so everybody will be back with more from Allison Donaghy um, talking about cause and effect and the domino effect. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. I am here with my guest from north of the border out in Canada, Donaghy. <laughs> you have to keep remembering to think of clarified butter ghee, Donaghy. Um, she is the founder of Domino Thinking. If you've missed the first half of the show, you have to, have to, have to, have to get it and listen to it on podcast, which is in over 30 countries around the world. Um, you can catch it on iTunes, um, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, catch the replays wherever they're sold, uh, sold right? Funny. Uh, wherever they are played, wherever your favorite <laughs> podcast platform is, or always at laurasteward.com. And, you know, Allison, before the, the national news break, which I think it's so funny because you were talking about the, the last presidential election from the perspective of somebody being in Canada, and you talked about your own echo chamber. And it's it's really interesting to me because, you know, living in the United States, I never think, number one, that an election ever stops. It's a constant <laughs> campaigning from the second we elect somebody to keep going. But you shared this. I didn't know this, that Facebook and social media platforms said, can we give you some other feeds than what you're used to listening to mm-hmm. and how it made some people shift. Now, I've lived my life always trying to look at ten sides of a coin versus my side and their side, trying to look at all these different perspectives and where my perspectives came from. So, And that's the work I do like with my clients and the work that you do with your clients. But how do you get somebody to, in a moment, say, oh, yeah, there is another side. <laughs> it's, you create a habit of doing it. You, as, you're, as we build on the – it's a process. This stuff doesn't happen overnight. It's stuff that you practice and you learn and you perfect and you just, you know, modify as needed – uh, and, I, and I think we have to be really gentle with ourselves that we're never going to get it all right all the time because we can't possibly know everything. But if we take that time when we feel like we're talking too much to go, whoa, I need to be quiet and actually hear what this person has to say and, and just start asking those interesting questions, like ask the right questions, right? Like it's, um, and, and ask with the intent to not respond, and I know we hear this all the time about listening and that sort of thing. And it's one thing if you're having a debate with somebody and you're, like, getting in there and you're getting all excited, and, and I think sometimes it's easy for us to talk over. But if that's the nature of that conversation, then that's okay. But often it's not. And 
the, the trick becomes assuming you could be wrong, which is not the same as you are definitely wrong and you should give up your beliefs. It's just, is it possible I got something wrong? And if it's possible I got something wrong, if I listen to you, maybe I can figure out what that is, or maybe I get to confirm that I didn't get anything wrong for me. And so it just becomes a curiosity piece. You know, there's this great book called The Coaching Habit. Have you heard of it? Michael Stanley, I believe. Okay. Um, and he has like the seven questions for coaching. And I just think in life, this is a great book as well. And the questions like, what's on your mind? Like that question has absolutely nothing to do with the person asking the question insofar as I can't add extra information to that. It's harder for me to bring in my own stuff if I'm just asking you what's on your mind. And so sometimes that's a really good place to start. Or if you're having a disagreement with somebody and you feel it's coming along and it's getting heated, then you can just take a step back and go, okay, tell me where you're at. Make it about wanting to understand that other person. And he's got, I think it's seven questions uh, for coaching. And even though it's for coaching, I believe that we can take certain information and glean it and use it and adapt it in other ways that works for us. People ask me what's the one question I ask myself pretty continuously. And my friends always say it's why, right? I love the question why. But really it's the the title of my book, right? It's what would a wise woman do? Mm -hmm. I always ask myself, and I wasn't when I was going through post-surgery horror where I, I couldn't even tolerate my own breathing, it seemed like at certain times because mm-hmm. it just echoed so loudly in my head. This idea of, like what you said, what's on your mind, but what would somebody other than myself, smarter than myself, do, say, think? Mm-hmm. would they take if they were in my exact situation? Yeah. Yeah, and I love that because I believe that that wiser woman is already inside of you. Right. And so when you come up with an answer, it's still your answer, which makes you wiser than you once believed. And I love that whole, when you when you get something right or, you know, and you're smarter than you think. <laughs> We're always smarter than we think. Now, you wrote a book as well, Think Up, Using the Domino Effect to Change Your Business and Change <laughs> the World. And, you know, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about your book in the context of the Facebook messaging that we did when I I had to reschedule you being on my show a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. It was like domino thinking. And it took me back to when I was a little girl and we used to play dominoes, right? And there was one way of playing dominoes, which is where you lay them back and you try to link the numbers, right? But then there was this other way of playing dominoes where we made these really elaborate um, sort of mazes or whatever you want to call them where you stood the dominoes up and then you would touch one and watch each one fall, in a, in a row and make these beautiful patterns. And it was like, how many dominoes can we link together in a row so that they all go down? Mm-hmm. And you got me thinking of this concept of, because one positive thought you can think can topple hundreds of negative ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that how you came up 
with the idea of the domino effect in your company and, and the work that you do because of what you, we've, you've been sharing with us? Is that where it came from? Um, partly, yeah, that whole toppling effect. You know, for me, it is really about the ramifications of our choices. Like nothing happens in in isolation. And so everything we do triggers something else. And when we have consciousness around that, we get to actually have some input in what direction those dominoes fall. And so we are in the lineup at the grocery store and there's a new cashier and she's taking a really long time. And the person in front of her is getting mad and frustrated and the person in line behind her is getting mad and frustrated. And we get to decide uh, how do we want to be in this situation. And so we can lean over to the cashier and say, hey, you know what? I see it's your first day. You're doing a great job. You hang in there. And then what is the domino effect of that? Does she settle down? Is she able to start moving faster? Are the people in front going to go, oh, yeah, I don't need to be such a dick here? And so what is that domino effect? Or do we go, oh, my God, right? She is so slow, and they never should have given her this job. Where does that lead? And when we can start understanding the things that our behaviors, thoughts, um, words, triggers, uh, then we can start being a little bit more accountable and responsible for the outcome around us and contributing in a way that makes us proud as opposed to just some sort of default that we're on going through life as a zombie. I was online at a grocery store. It was a, I think it was a Walmart um, a couple of years ago. And the line was moving pretty slow. And I'm like three back from the cashier itself, from, like, the belt. But I can see and sense the energy of the cashier. And you could see her face, and she just seemed more and more distressed. And the people in front of me were getting more and more annoyed. And then finally I get close enough, like I'm the next person. And I look, and... And she's, like, trying to wrap something around her finger because it was bleeding. Oh. And the people in front of me never even stopped to acknowledge that this woman is in distress, and she was afraid to stop. That's Because there was this line. Mm -hmm. And the guy in front of me just was, like, totally annoyed, and he, like, took off in a huff after it was done, And she starts to ring me, and I'm like, stop, just stop. And she's like, I can't. I'm like, yes, you can. Your finger is bleeding. Do you have a Band-Aid? And she said, no. And I said, I do. And I literally made her stop. And the people in line behind me, and I'm like, look, she's injured. Mm -hmm. It's not about us getting out sooner. And and she she almost started crying because somebody saw her. Yeah, like how powerful is that? That's that domino effect. Like, you know, you caring for her, how does that change her as a person? How does she go home and treat her children after that? Like, 
you've cha- you change the trajectory of her day and the people that are in line behind you that are not being sensitive they get sort of like a they can be checked there a bit and they go oh gosh yeah i guess you know she has been hurt and then they get to decide if they want to respond differently as well but you you interrupted the energy by doing that which i think is a super positive and loving thing to do and like I couldn't have imagined acting any other way because that's the way my parents raised me. That's who I am as a person. But it changed me as well. I I was like, why didn't I see that before, right? Of course, I went through the whole thing of I could have spotted this sooner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I could have not waited. I got right in front of her. But, you know, I didn't want necessarily the conflict <laughs> of, of everything else. But it was, it was a fascinating thing that has stuck with me for so long. Well, I believe that part of that is when you stepped into that person who was brave enough to take care of that other person in front of you, you boosted your worthiness. And that's why it's something that stuck with you because it's a way of reminding yourself that, you're worthy. Like you thought enough of who you are and what you believed in to care for her. That's huge. And that shame and blame thing that you went through as well, like, oh, God, why didn't I notice sooner? That is so common because that's how we've been taught to respond. Um, you're not good enough. Feel shame and we're going to blame you. And you can feel guilty and you can carry that around for the rest of your life. Um, and you can just fall in line like society needs you to. Like the world works better when people have low self-esteem because they're controllable. So many thoughts going through my head. <laughs> but I don't recommend it. <laughs> I recommend like be the rebel. Be, cause a ruckus. Stop the flow of things that doesn't sit well for you. And that's going to be different to everybody, right? Like, is it about spending more time reading with your kids? Is it about leaving your crappy day at the door so that you can be excited to see your spouse? Is it being patient with that coworker that just can't get it right? It's, you know, how do we want to show up? And when we show up in a way that makes us feel good about who we are, like who our core is, that is a boost to your worthiness. The more you boost your worthiness, the less you're going to be a victim. Do you think that, I hate the do you, so let, let's talk about the, I'm going to change the way I'm thinking here. Uh, <laughs> to word, in more ways than one, right? Um, <laughs> Always. Right? Yeah. As my head is spinning in more ways than one, but <laughs> the, <laughs> you know, I laugh, but I've, I've so had to think of what my worthiness looks like right now because I haven't been able to really be out in the world the way I see myself being out in the world for over a year now, mm-hmm. which is using my literal voice to help yeah. others. The speaking. Mm-hmm and hearing and and helping somebody with their own worthiness and and things like that because I've always done that through my voice. Mm -hmm. I got this beautiful Facebook message from um, a 
fan of mine from my books and my speaking, and she had been a client, and she said to me, you need to just write. She said, if you can't speak, write, because your words have changed me, just in Mm. my... And she said, so many people have gotten so much out of that, and it shifted me, Allison, because I thought of my worth as my physical words, like this, mm. like we're doing now with the radio show. So for a year, I haven't written. Mm-hmm. I've wanted to, but between the grief of my mom passing, I just, I, I didn't want to let that out. And it was a way of suppressing my own worth and, and putting my worth into a box. So how do you respond to people I mean, I know you helped me significantly, <laughs> and, and during that same time period was when these other messages have been come in. So what, how do you help somebody ask themselves some questions to help them shift their worth as they see it? Right. It may not you, be- you know, in fairness, there is a process, and, you know, you, you probably needed this year to be able to hear that message that you should write. If you had been told that earlier on, what you wrote wouldn't be the same or how it came out or the topic you chose. Like, have you ever done something and then down the road went, oh, I was probably premature in doing that because I really should have done this? Oh, yeah. You know, sometimes we need that space to get us to doing what it is we're really supposed to be doing, whatever that is. And... So there's nothing wrong with kind of putting in the time and feeling the feels, but it's also about having that conversation like, why could this possibly be happening? Like, what is the silver lining in this? What am I having to give up right now? Like, I'm, you're being basically forced to give up talking. So then what are the other alternatives? Where else can you go from there? What is the um, possible thing you're going to in the future look back at and go, that's why it happened. And that sometimes can help us get through some of these difficult situations because when I look back on my life and I, when I was in my stuff, I couldn't understand why it was happening. But now when I look back on it, I was like, oh, that happened so that I could talk to this person. I would not be able to talk to this person if that hadn't happened. And so sometimes it's just sitting in that space of understanding that there will be um, a story that unfolds that will make it all make sense. And that definitely helps me get through that process. And just be really kind to yourself. It's a process. It's, It's undoing not just your life experiences, but the experiences of the lives of the people that you've come in touch with. When we start thinking about how massive that is, I think we deserve to be a little bit kinder with ourselves and be gentle and understand that a lot of this is beyond something we're ever going to understand or recognize or interpret. And it's sometimes just easier to go, okay, this is what's happening in this moment and this is how I'm going to respond to it. It... But yet it can be so hard. But as you said, it really doesn't have to. When we were at the break, um, national news break, you were saying things don't have to be as hard as we make them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. We make things hard so we can stay where we are. 
And, you know, I had a guest on my show, and he blew me away when he talked about what he calls bad math. So he was a, um, a survivor of child sex trafficking. And his brother, between, well, he was between the ages of six and nine, his brother sold him for sex to his friends. And, he, and it impacted his entire life, which understandably it would. And he said, you know, when I actually got to the place where I could look at what happened, the assaults happened for about 45 minutes. If you squish it all together, all of the instances that happened over those three years, and condensed it into one chunk of time, he said probably 45 minutes. Um, that teenage boys don't last very long. And so um, <laughs> it happened multiple, multiple times, but for an accumulation of 45 minutes, the physical abuse he endured probably was a total of three weeks, all condensed, and the emotional abuse was probably three months if it all got condensed. So he said for three months, three weeks, and 45 minutes, my entire life was in being impacted by that. That's bad math. He said at some point I had to make the decision that all of those hours beyond that three months, three weeks, and 45 minutes were mine and new and didn't have to be owned by my experiences. And so when we can think of it, like this, the trauma that we have over the scope of our life is a blink in time do we want to give that power away? And that's what happened for me. That's how this kind of all started years ago for me. I didn't even know it was really a thing until recently, but um, I had been sexually assaulted, and it wasn't until I understood how I co-created it, and it wasn't to say I deserved it or I was blaming myself or any of that stuff because I'd already done all of that. I'd already gone through that process of thinking I deserved it and I was a horrible human being and blah, blah, blah. But when I could take the emotion out of it, look at the situation and go, this is how I co-created that, I instantly stopped being his victim. And he had no control over me or the choices that I made going forward. And then I was able to see that situation differently for myself. But it is a process, and it does, it does take a level of commitment and courage to do it because it's unknown. We don't know what we are opening up. Like, what's that Pandora's box? That, that's so powerful, and we're in, like, the last <laughs> minutes of the show, and I, I could do an entire another show just on those last words you just spoke. I, I mean, I have goosebumps over all of that, and I know it's going to change the lives of at least one person who's listening to the show right now, and that's why that came up. Mm-hmm. And, and because we're getting close to the end of the show, I want to make sure people can reach out to you, Allison, that they can reach out, talk to you if they want to talk to you, get some help if they want to get some help from you. So how do they reach you? And I understand you you also have a course to help people work through some of this as well. So share. (laughs) The best place to find me is dominothinking.com. All of my contact information is there. It's just the easiest place to go. I'm also on social media, but uh, if you go there, that's a one-stop shop. And there's information on my course there. It's called the My Part Course. And it's an eight-week program. It's online. It's a combination of video, PDFs, and worksheets. And then a live Q&A with me once a week um, as the group. And it provides people with a process of how to move through this. And 
and, and I'm a big fan of here's the information, you don't need me, now go and live your life and come back if something happens. But I'm not one of these people who does hard sells and wants to keep you as a client for the next 20 years. I want you to carry on and have your, a great life for the next 20 years independent of me. So everything I do is sort of set up to um, have short-term relationships so people can move on with their life. And the, the course is the same idea. And keep an eye out for my game called uh, Time to Talk. And it's all about this same topic as well. So that's coming out too. Okay. And you have a radio show as well. I do. It's called, uh, we're rebranding it in July. It's going to be called My Part with Alison Donaghy right now. It's the Alison Donaghy show. Uh, but you can go to my website and on the radio link it's there too and you can check out my guests. I, I, I'm so fortunate. I get to meet the most amazing people. They come on my show and we have such great conversations. So, uh, life is good. <laughs> Yeah, for for me, my favorite time of the week is this radio show and the people that I get to bring to my audience to share their stories to help them shift their thinking, to learn new questions to ask, to shift their perspectives. Because we can topple our own perspectives with the right question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, um, and there's, when we, believe in what we believe in enough that we're able to suspend it. Like at my end, my radio show with, um, uh, if you don't question something, what is the point of believing in it? And so when we question what we believe in, we are actually bringing worthiness to what it is that we believe in and we're honoring ourselves. And, and I just think it's one of the best ways to grow. That's why we are so good together. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think we are. <laughs> Oh, man, you know, it, it's, this hour has gone so fast, and I'm so grateful for you being on my show, Allison, and for your help the other day, the kindness that you showed me and that you show so many people in your life. So I want to acknowledge you for that, and thank you so much. Thank you so much. It certainly has been a blessing meeting you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. You know, Allison shared so many amazing things. The podcast will be up in case you missed the first half of the show. And I just want to thank you all for listening, for being here with me this week as I try to re-enter the world of speaking. And remember, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everybody. Ask some great questions. And, you know, just love yourself and give yourself a hug. Have a great day, everyone.